In a world full of noise and confusion, it's hard to focus on what's really important. In a culture where religion has become a grab bag of ideas, the precision of language is necessary for the proclamation of truth. This podcast is dedicated to that type of precision. For years, I listened to many sources and suggestions and well-meaning people. But now the questions that we have before us need to be answered by Scripture. We live in a day when philosophy has become more important than truth. Even those who are supposedly preaching the gospel of grace seem to be guilty of just being another noise amidst the fodder of temporality. I'm not sure what we'll talk about each day in this podcast, but you can rest assured that as our thoughts and questions continue, we will search the scriptures in order to know the truth. So let's get started. Are you listening? Today we're going to talk about the topic of church discipline. We're not going to deal with it exhaustively because, honestly, in a few minutes, what can we say when there is tons of things to see in the scripture about the topic? But I will be honest, usually when people hear the word discipline, they think of something very negative. After all, discipline in our culture seems like punishment. And as a matter of fact, for most parents, and especially most children, discipline is punishment. So the idea of, quote, church discipline seems to be like some spiritual police force that's looking at how we live and then correcting us, or worse, punishing us by bringing humiliation. Now, Scripture teaches something very different. For one, Scripture shows us that discipline is not punitive, but it is always corrective. But why is it necessary? Well, it is commanded by Jesus Christ. We see that in Matthew 18 and other places. Directly, Jesus speaks about church discipline and how to handle sin and the lives of other people, especially when they sin against us. The other thing that we see is that the entirety of the New Testament is written to the church of Jesus Christ, that is, the saints, those who are redeemed by Christ. Therefore, we know that there is a level of intimacy that's required with the body of Christ. Now, our culture has destroyed the reality of what the church is. And because of that, we really have a lot of conversations that have to take place. Back to the point. The New Testament actually shows us that Sometimes discipline is necessary for the local church, and it's commanded by Christ, and then through the apostles, it's also commanded by Christ. Remember, the words of the apostles are the words of Jesus. So discipline is commanded. It is how we deal with disputes. It is how we tell the difference between those who say they are in the faith and those who act as though they're not in the faith. Those who are in the faith are corrected. And that's the thing that we need to keep in mind. When each of us sin, as John would teach, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. So no one is looking at their works or their acts of obedience, which we'll talk about in another podcast. No one's looking at their acts of obedience as the foundation or the certainty of their redemption or their justification. But when it comes to the work of the Holy Spirit, One of the clear indicators shown by Paul in Ephesians to the powers and the principalities of the darkness or the devil and the demons and also the world that is lost, one of the things that shows the power of God greatly is that there are people who under any other circumstance would not get along, who now have a love and a unity, and they prove it by their fellowship. 
And so church discipline, when it comes, it comes because it's necessary to maintain the unity and the fellowship, the actual physical presence of the body of Christ together. Now, this is foreign in our culture, but we need to understand that discipline is corrective. It's how the church handles its problems. It's how the church deals with her disputes, with error, with false teaching, and with sinful behavior. Discipline is both private and public. So church discipline should start out between people. And if everyone is in agreement and everyone is forgiving, then guess what? The public body and the public eye never need to understand that anything ever took place. But what typically happens in in the concept of church discipline is that when brothers or sisters try to work together to deal with differences, and one particular party refuses to forgive, evidenced by their absence or their divorce from the church, they are proving that they are either rebellion or apostate. Discipline then has to go public. If someone is not willing to subject themselves to the obedience or the obedience that is required by Christ for the church, then they're saying that the gospel of grace is not sufficient for them. Discipline then proves who are the church, those that stay in fellowship versus those that do not. This is the issue that is at hand with most matters of discipline. For the body of Christ, the bride, the true believer is corrected, and the word of God through the Spirit presents itself in such a way that God is granted repentance. That means the mind that was once offended is no longer offended. The mind that was once fearful is no longer fearful. The heart that was once angry or the heart that was once irritated or the heart that was once frustrated is no longer that way. But the intimacy and the unity of the saints is secure. Discipline, though, is not to be exercised on matters that are not shown in Scripture. For example, there are things that Scripture shows us clearly, like violations of the truth or the teaching of Scripture, unbelief, a sin against another, judgmental hearts, Willful disunity, abandonment, pride, being unkind, using harsh words, having a self-righteousness or bearing false witness, covetousness, murder, hatred, gossip, all of these things that are listed in instruction to the New Testament church are clearly things over which church discipline will apply. But there are things that are not in Scripture that the church should not be involved with. That is one of those areas where it is very difficult because in our culture, we want punishment in our hearts when we exercise judgment in that sense by our flesh instead of by the word of God. We want people to pay for what they've done to us. And what's really sad about that is that in the circumstance where two people, one offends the other and the offended party wants restitution or wants something public done about a private repentance then the offended becomes the offender and now is brought under public discipline. In all aspects of discipline, however, we must remember that we have to be kind, long-suffering, and patient. Even those who have to exercise discipline on one another, they must be aware of the fact that they are just as guilty of sin as the one that is under discipline. So the ultimate end of discipline is corrective and unifying and most assuredly, It is something that we exercise discipline because of the judgments of Jesus, not our own judgments. When we do not desire to be reconciled, we actually subject those who remain in the body to the punishment 
of our absence, to the punishment of our unrepentance. And it is a very difficult thing. And because church discipline is so hurtful and it is so difficult for the church at large, it has to be handled with much sensitivity, with much patience, and with much prayer. And most of all, it must be handled exactly the way the Scripture calls us to, not just in the small little details of church discipline as it's taught in the doctrine of Scripture, but most importantly, holistically throughout the entirety of the New Testament, as we see how we are to relate and to be patient and to be gentle and to expect God to do what He is going to do. In the end, when one is disciplined and is removed from fellowship, Our prayer is that they are restored to fellowship because that is the ultimate end that God has purposed church discipline for. See, discipline is necessary because it purifies the church. It helps us to realize that the intimacy that is ours in Christ Jesus lays out for the church to see with each other. And for the lost, it is self-identifying. Those who cannot subject themselves to the discipline of the church by the nature of the Word of God and under the teaching of Christ and the apostles are saying to the world, we left out from you because we were never of you. I pray these thoughts would get you stimulated thinking about church discipline. As I said, it's not exhaustive and by all means, it's not complete. But over the next few months, we'll talk about this and Edward and I will deal with this on a Theology Answers episode in the months to come. Until then, Lord bless you.